This Off the Hazel podcast is now driven by Delari Nissan Regina. Nissan. And that's four birdies in a row for Drew Kocher to close out the day with a smooth 69, ladies and gentlemen. And would you look at that, Troy Kosher stripes one right down the middle on the wrong fairway. The Reverend can't drive, he can't hit his irons, and he can't putt, but boy can that guy drink. You're listening to Off the Hosel, presented by Nissan Regina. Now here's your host, Drew Kosher, and co-host, Troy McClure Kosher. Hey everybody, welcome back. My name is Drew Koser, I'm your host. I'm happily joined, well, not by my brother today. Had some prior arrangements made up, which is uh, totally fine, I get it. And the Reverend is not here today as well. So, it's just me and I am joined by, uh, he was on episode number one of Off the Hosel. It was the pilot episode, but now look at us. I'm joined by Noah Kozak, how's it going buddy? Yeah, not too bad, uh, glad to be here. It's uh, done some great things. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Alrighty, so moving on quickly here before we get going. As always, this is a Nissan-driven podcast. Nissan is the place to go. They have a great team, great staff, great customer service, and of course, they have great vehicles, as I can attest for that. I drive one all the time. It's perfect. If you see it, you should just go to Nissan and buy one today. Located on 1111 Broad Street in Regina. And also, quickly before we get going here, as everyone should know by now, we are located in Divots Indoor Golf. In Regina, Saskatchewan, on Rochdale Boulevard, this place is unreal. Atmosphere is great, good food. Oh, I just had some buffalo wings for the pod today. Unreal. Uh, yeah, golf's fun. Music's going all the time. Uh, great people. So come on down to Divots. Uh, play here. Don't make Divots. Just play at Divots. Alrighty. Exciting week. <laughs> Very exciting week. I've barely been able to sleep. I have nightmares. Just kidding. We have, uh, it's the Masters week. Um, you know, and I wanted to bring on Noah today. He's a golf guy, collegiate athlete. I don't know, where, where the hell do you play, Dan? Uh, Reedley, California, just 10 minutes south of Fresno. All right. He's in uh, California, Cali boy, Regina boy, playing golf in California. So that's cool. Um, quickly, I wanted to go over, you know, the Houston Open last week. The, do you watch any golf last week or no? Yeah, I caught Saturday, Sunday. It was, uh, it was a relaxing weekend watching those guys obviously come back trying to prepare for a green jacket title. So, Absolutely, yeah. So the winner was uh, Carlos Ortiz. He went on to win by two shots over Matsuyama. It was a good tournament, I thought. Um, you know, DJ missed, what, six to eight weeks, and it looks like he didn't miss a beat for finishing uh, tied for second at uh, 11 under par. Oh, Thoughts boy. on uh, DJ? You know what? Just when you think this guy makes a wrong decision it turns out to be the best one and I'll tell you why he is so intact with his inner self that it's ridiculous I think a guy like Jordan Spieth could learn from him because DJ just realizes that when a round of golf is done or when he has to just stick at home he just lets it go relaxes I was listening to an interview with him and he said he didn't step outside of his room he watched Netflix and ate junk food for about I'm gonna say at least half the duration and you know as a pro athlete or golf you think well 
shouldn't you be working out or hitting balls or doing something? He said, no, I'll get back to it when I'm ready. And sure enough, he just... Yeah, he ripped up 11 under yeah. par. Yeah, how are you? Um, yeah, so, and I guess, like, that, I, mean, I, I watched enough of it. You know, these guys are good. And they're tuning up for, well, we're getting right into it now. Masters week. Um, you know, Sergio Garcia, one of my favorite golfers to play the game, uh, unfortunately has to withdraw. He was withdraw from the tournament, uh, testing positive for COVID-19. Unfortunate for him. Uh, you know, and then also friend of the show, Graeme Dillette, has, um, well, he pulled out last week in Houston after round one, I believe, or midway through round one uh, due to a back-like symptoms. Unfortunate. You know, thoughts on uh, Graham and Sergio? Uh, well, obviously, Graham hits home a little bit harder for us here in Saskatchewan, but um, Sergio, you, ha- you have to think that this one hurts a little bit more than most just because this was his first major title. It, it probably meant the world to him to come back every single year. And I know we only got a few more months before the turnaround comes and they got to play it again because of the, the schedule mix-up, but they're obviously We should have two matches every year. Yeah, isn't that a dream? <laughs> yeah, so obviously we're wishing uh, Graham a speedy recovery and uh, Sergio as well. Um, yeah, okay, well now I want to ask, what's, uh, who do you like this week at the Masters? You know, it's different this year in November, obviously with the way COVID is. But um, I guess before we get going into that, I do want to say and mention that this segment of the Masters Chat is brought to you by Last Mountain Distillery. Famous Seasonal releases their cherry whiskey and hazelnut cream liqueur now available at retailers across the province and at the distillery. Get your Christmas shopping done before they're gone. Contactless pickup available at the distillery through the website at www.lastmountaindistillery.com. Check them out today. Uh, Christian and myself were out there a couple weeks ago shooting a video. Oh, what a place. They, they, I don't know if you've been there before. Have you been there? Yeah, I have. It's unreal. I got to like, I had to like put my hand under the, the sprout thing from the tower. He's like, try this. Am I right? Try it. My mouth fell apart. 88% alcohol. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Christian drove home, thank God. Oh, my God. Anyhow, who do you like this week? Masters. Um, yeah, who do you got? I got two guys in mind here. Obviously, everyone's going to be rooting for Tiger, but and that'd be awesome to see a repeat, but I'm going to go with someone that probably most people are thinking right now, and that's DeChambeau, for one reason and one reason only. First of all, the temperature is a significant drop to what we see in April, so the ball's not going to be going quite as far or, or you know, receptive to that hot, humid air. And also, many of the holes on that golf course, if you carry the tree line, your fairy becomes from 45 yards to like 160 yards. So he can carry the ball past all those tight lines into the wider parts of the golf course, which just is a no-brainer. If he can putt and chip ball, that's your guy right there. And next guy? A little bit under the radar. I'm going to go with Day. I had Day too. I had Day and Justin Rose. Well, Jason Day's a man rocket. But, um, yeah, I had Day and uh, Rose sorry, as my two sleeper picks. I like Bryson a lot. I like Brooks. Um, you know, you, you can't rule out Tiger. It's Tiger Woods. He's the yeah. best. Um, but I was listening to an interview on PGA on SiriusXM before I came here, and Bryson is, like, happy there's no fans. You know, he can just dummy the ball where people would be standing now. Um, Bryson, you know, this guy, I love this guy, man. People think he's a geek. Yeah, he's kind of a nerd. But, you know what, he seems like a cool guy, just different, but he puts in the work. And how do you, how do you let it? We I've, we talked about it so many times with my brother and stuff on here. How do you penalize a guy for that just worked that much harder, you know, over the 
the six months COVID, whatever was going on in the in the world at the time. Oh, you can't. I mean, I know, you know, the Golden Bear himself, Jack, gave him a little bit of criticism at his own tournament there for hitting the ball so far, and that oh, you know, we need to switch the equipment or whatever. I'm like, listen, a guy has worked exponentially hard to do something that no one else has done, or at least at a higher level, and you're gonna punish him for trying to evolve the game. And listen, I get it. The farther you hit it, the closer you are to the green, but. Not many people hit it that far and that straight. We're forgetting about how straight this ball flies on a daily basis here. I wish. Oh, man. <laughs> um, okay, well, I guess, I mean, that's my master's talk. We have kind of the same guys in mind. Quickly, though, knowing that I th it, you don't have to talk about it if you want to, but today is, as this is being launched, Remembrance Day. Um, you know what? First off, I, I want to say, like, every veteran anyone that's fought for their country um that's served oh, thank you you know what god god bless and you know thank you so much for all they do for us to you know enjoy what we like to do yeah you know well said you know my brother served in the military did a tour out east in uh i want to say kabul afghanistan is what the city was called and just because of him i just have that that greater greater respect for you know our military our country you know you know how easy it is for me to get in a car and drive over to an indoor golf facility, do an interview with you or a you know a podcast with you and have fun, right? Like you know people over there they don't get that luxury, so I'm thankful for it. Absolutely. So everyone, take this day to respect and you know reflect on everything that they have done for us. So thank you again. Um, you know Noah, thanks again, man, for coming on. You know for the short time today. Again, you were on episode one. If you missed that one, it was actually a blast. It was I was going off my iPhone at the time, and he called in, and, you know, I, I didn't know where this was going to go. We're 45 episodes today. Um, yeah, thanks for being the, the test dummy on that one, buddy. Oh, man, any time, any venture years. Love it. All righty, so quickly here, we will be doing a giveaway this week slash weekend that will include a Manscaped package, off-the-hosel sweater, and two $25 gift cards to Campfire Grill, so... Keep your eyes and ears open or eyes open and ears peeled. Whatever you got to do, don't miss out on this one because it's going to be a doozy. Other than that, I think that is all we, we got for you this week. We hope you enjoyed the interview today with TSN Director of Scouting, Craig Button. Um, you know, Craig talks about business, hockey, scouting, coaching. Like He's done it all. Uh, and obviously you would have saw the teaser we put out yesterday talking about um, my cousin Joey Koser who played for the Wings and the Rangers and I had a stint with the Vancouver Canucks three time Stanley Cup champ uh, and Joey Koser will be our guest next week as we finally got the, the tough Koser on the podcast so we'll send it over now to Craig Button I hope you guys enjoy it Coors Light is the official light beer of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders it's also the official beer of watching 2013 reruns catching up on video calls, and wearing the same sweats as you did yesterday. Visit your local retailer for great prices on 18, 24, 36 can packs. Coors Light, made to chill. Alrighty, we are pleased to be joined by a guy that everyone will know, born in Rochester, New York. He's the TSN Director of Scouting, former NHL GM for the Calgary Flames. He's heavily involved in scouting, so we are pleased to welcome in Craig Button. Thanks for joining the podcast today. Yeah, my pleasure. How's, uh, how's the snow holding up there in Saskatchewan? Well, it's, uh, today it's freezing rain with the chances of 40 centimeters, I believe they said. So we'll see what happens tomorrow morning. 
uh, it potentially could be a very uh, slow move into Monday. Oh boy, yeah, it could be. Well, <laughs> you know, I guess uh, when we get into November, it means winter and snow and everything that goes with it, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, Craig, I, I mean, I want to ask, what's new in your life? How are things, and, and uh, where are you right now? I'm in Calgary, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, again, getting rooted in for the winter. My wife and I bought uh, cross-country ski, so we're going to be outdoors. Uh, we'll probably do a little bit of downhill skiing uh, if, if everything works out. But, uh, you know, being outdoors uh, in, in, in the summer during this pandemic has been great, and, we're just going to carry it through and uh, with some cross-country skiing. And uh, looking forward, obviously looking forward to the World Junior Tournament, uh, which is, uh, you know, scheduled to be in on December 25th. So that's where our preparations are taking us to TSN, and that's where my preparations are taking me. Uh, you know, the Coriala Cup, which is, a, which is part of a national team tournament uh, with Czech Republic, Finland, Sweden, and Russia, took place, uh, just completed in, uh, in Helsinki, and the Russian U-20 team won the tournament. They, won, they, they didn't lose wow. uh, a game. They won all three games. Sweden and Finland did not bring any U-20 players. Czech oh, really? Republic brought seven or eight. Yeah, no, the Swedes and the Finns did not. They brought their national, their players from the national team, and uh, the Russians uh, went in there and won. That's a really good team. Uh, and and one that is going to be right uh, competing for the gold medal at the World Junior Tournament. Well, that's awesome. Well, now that we're on this topic right away here, let's jump into it. World Juniors, uh, what are you hearing? What can and can't you say about it? What's uh, I guess what's going on? Is it is it ready to go? Well, I mean, it's it's very similar to what the NHL uh, did with their return to play. You know, there's there's going to be different phases. Uh, that the uh, countries are going to have to go through to, uh, you know, you know, first of all, get players uh, into their own uh, environment and, and, and then make sure they're tested and make sure that they're uh, not, uh, you know, uh, exposed to, to, to risk. Then, then they're going to have to travel uh, into Alberta and get into the bubble. Yeah. And much like the NHL, the NHL went through phase two, phase three, phase four. I mean, there were some times when you were, you know, kind of uh, holding your breath, so to speak, to make sure that everything went smoothly. The same thing is going to happen uh, with uh, as, the, as the countries uh, move into their own, uh, you know, competition bubble within their own uh, country and then start to move into Alberta. But, you know, the, it's, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's the exact same setup. Uh, the, the, the exact same testing protocols are in place. Uh, access is, is going to be uh, directed as it was with the NHL. And, you know, I, uh, all we can do is, is hope that we have the same outcome that the NHL had. First of all, uh, no positive tests. And, yeah, and, exactly. And that was phenomenal. And, and which led to the completion of, of the NHL season and the awarding of the Stanley Cup. So, Hopefully that that's something that can happen with the World Junior Tournament. Much like the NHL, I think the collaboration has been outstanding. I think that, uh, you know, the plan is one that now you also know that there's been a record of success. So you, you continue on with the plan and make sure that you try to minimize risk all the way around. But I think, uh, you know, with no hockey, all eyes are going to be on the World Junior Tournament. And, you know, it makes it for a special, it's always a special time of the year. I think it'll be a little bit more special this year because it'll be the only hockey that people will be watching. 
Well, absolutely. I mean, I, I guess we just, you know, we are our junior B, junior B team, my coach, actually, we started this, this past weekend and, you know, we got it going and, you know, we're taking all the protocols, wearing a mask and, you know, uh, everyone's signing a game log, getting all that stuff done. So we're doing all the right things right now, which is nice. And I guess we'll see um, where it goes in the future, I guess, if hopefully no one gets a uh, positive test. But right now it's been going good so far. Which is good, and we, and, and you know, there's obviously, uh, you know, uh, things that are instituted, regulations that are instituted to try to again minimize the risk, minimize the spread, and you know, you know, Canada is going to open up a, uh, an evaluation camp on November 16th, and you know, you think about all the players, a lot of players that aren't playing, that haven't played since last March. Yeah, I mean, an opportunity now to not only not not only play in the World Junior Tournament and represent your country, but you know, you have you have all these terrific players uh, that are going to come uh, into Red Deer, and they're going to practice. They're going to compete against one another, and and that's and that's something that's really significant for development. And I think that players that have been drafted in the, by NHL teams, some players that you know are, are very well uh, w- w- within their expectation. Uh, to be thinking about the NHL this year, you know, obviously Alexi Lafreniere, but I think Dylan Cousins and Bo Byron, to name a couple, certainly uh, fit that expectation to play in the NHL this year as well. So when you when you when now when you're an NHL team, Colorado, uh, uh, the, the Buffalo Sabers, you know, you you know that these players are every day in practice competing against really high quality players and yeah. you know, some of the scrimmages that they're going to pull off are going to be pretty impressive and uh you know th- th- those are going to be uh those are going to be broadcast so that makes it for uh, makes uh makes uh, for uh, a very interesting time as well absolutely well we'll move on from that now craig we'll talk about that a little later here i wanted to backtrack here as i always do uh, I mean, I mentioned you're born in Rochester, New York. I mean, I, I want to make sure that's correct, or if Google is lying to me. Um, and then to further my no, question. Google's not lying to you. I mean, my <laughs> mother's from Toronto. My dad's from Rochester. And uh, so, I mean, my dad, when uh, when I was born, they, my dad was working for the Rochester Americans. And, uh, you know, you know that's where we were. But uh, I, I was real lucky because, uh, you know, right from the get-go, you know, I had dual citizenship. And, I, you know, I lived, yeah. uh, I lived uh, a lot of time in the U.S. I lived uh, a lot of time in Canada. I've been in Calgary now for 20 years. And, you know, feel, uh, feel, feel really fortunate to live in, a, in, in not only a great place here in Calgary, but a great country. So, you know, to, to, to be able to ha- have those uh, types of experiences have been great for me. And it's something that I look back on and continue to appreciate. Absolutely. So I guess to further my question now, I mean, growing up, what sorts of things were you doing as, as a youngster? What was a young Craig Button doing? Well, I was doing what every other kid does. You play sports, <laughs> right? You go and you participate. I, a good friend of mine, he said, that, you know, we had, uh, we had the benefit of being able to play sports and whatever they were, whatever the season was, we, we got to participate. And, you know, so th- that's where our focus was. And, you know, every young person, and when I say young, I mean, you know, it's, it's through your school years. I, I think sports is a, is a great opportunity to be active, but, you know, it also keeps you busy. And, and, and if you don't have sports, you know, you know, do, do you play music? Do you want to be part of uh, a theater group or whatnot? You, you need to be in activities that you really enjoy and around other people that enjoy them as well. And, 
you know, we had that benefit uh, playing sports. And so that's what we did. That's what we did. And, you know, we, we were fortunate in growing up in, in an area in Montreal where, where that was provided to us. And we, we, that's all we ever thought about. Like, just go and play, uh, do your schoolwork, and then find a way to get to, uh, to, to, the, to, the, to the outdoor rink or to your game or to the ball field or the soccer pitch. And so that's uh, that's what we all all were all were doing. So Craig, I I want to ask you like, did you play like like how long did hockey did you play? Did you play a midget? Did you play junior? Did you play pro? What was the hockey background there? Yeah, no, I didn't play pro. I played junior A, and uh, you know we had a good group. And you know when I went to university when I was twenty, you know uh, th- th- that was it. I didn't uh, I didn't play university hockey. I could have, but. I wanted to go and, you know, work on, you know, get my degree. And uh, the other thing, too, is, is all my friends that we grew up with, we, we used to go into these, uh, uh, these beer tournaments. So we used to pay X amount of dollars and go and play these tournaments on the weekends. <laughs> and uh, it, it was a ball. And, you know, the best thing about it was you just got to play. You didn't have to practice. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, when you, reach, you know when you reach that point where you go, I don't want to practice anymore. I'm out. Yep. And, and you got to commit, you, you know, to be part of a team. you got to commit. You got you got to be committed in, in, in every regard in practice and everything. And I, I just when, when I finished playing junior A, I was done. I, I, I like yeah, I didn't want to do. That. I wanted to go and just do all those fun things with my buddies. And, and we did, and we did have a lot of fun, and it was a real good time. I love it. Um, okay, Craig. So I mean, not too sure if you know, but I, I am a scout as well. And the question is, I've been scouting for. I mean, I've been scouting for five years now. When did you get your first taste of scouting? For who? For who do you scout for? I scout for uh, the Weyburn Red Wings and the SJ, and then oh, okay, I, oh, right on, yeah, okay. Yeah, and I also work for ISS as well, so International Scouting oh, Service. Right on. Um, but yeah, so I guess the question is, when did you get your first taste of scouting? And w- w- like, yeah, just walk us through that. Well, I mean, I mean, my dad's history, you know, being in management, and then you know, going to hockey games. And then he, I mean, he was the one that started NHL central scouting in 1975 when we moved from, when we moved from Pittsburgh. So uh, it was something the NHL had talked about uh, for a period of time. And then when he became available, former, uh, the the president at the time, Clarence Campbell and Emil Francis, uh, who was a manager at that time in the NHL were really instrumental uh, about saying to, uh, you know, this is something we wanted to do. And they wanted my dad to, to, to do it, and so he, he he took it on. That's how we ended up in Montreal. So you know when you're when you're young and you you know your dad's going to hockey games and you're getting a little bit older and you tag along at different times. You no, know, you you kind of you're always interested in hockey. I was interested in being yeah. a scout, but you, but you're around it, and then you know then as time goes on, you start to think about. Oh, okay. Maybe this is a path to to do something interesting. It wasn't a path that I'd been thinking about. To be straightforward with you, it was something that I, you know, I was looking to go into international finance and banking, and uh, you know that path. And then an opportunity came about to scout, and I said, "Oh, what the hell? Why don't I? Why don't I see where it takes me?" And you know what? I ended up with some great mentors and some really good, patient people uh, that took me under their wing and helped me develop and helped me. Uh, you know, become better each and every day. Yeah, that's perfectly said. And then, I mean, just moving on now, because, I mean, you just got your first taste of it, and now you get your second job for the Minnesota North Stars, I believe, as a director of scouting, um, working for a couple legends of, you know, Bobby Clark and Bob Ganey. How was that experience? 
Well, I mean, I mean, you, you know, the players that you had watched growing up and play, you knew about their, you knew about their on ice achievements, but you know, uh, they, they were fantastic with respect to uh, their uh, their knowledge and their grasp of how to take that knowledge from playing and apply it into coaching and managing. Yeah, and it wasn't just them. I mean, Jack Ferrero was uh, hired me. Uh, I mean, he he had worked with my dad, and uh, he had come over to Minnesota as a GM. Uh, Les Jackson, uh, a longtime NHL executive. I mean, he. I mean, I was lucky. I mean, I didn't know Les. But Les was one of those people that was exceptionally bright, talented, and guided me and took me under his wing and helped me become better at, at, at scouting and understanding. And Dean Lombardi. Dean Lombardi was our assistant yeah. GM in Minnesota when we started. So. You know, I was around really dedicated, passionate, hardworking people. Uh, and, and then, you, you know, you build from it. And, you know, Jack had been good and Dean was good and learning as an assistant GM. And then you, you end up with Bob Ganey and Bob Clark. And, you, you know, we ended up really lucky. I mean, you know, Les was a big part of our organization in Minnesota and Dallas. Doug Armstrong, the current president and GM in, uh, uh, in St. Louis. And we all benefited from being around uh, Bob Clark and Bob Ganey, who who, who, were, who who were not just Hall of Fame players; they're Hall of Fame people, yeah. and they're Hall of Fame managers. They, they know how to they know how to work with people. They know how to build teams. They know how to form teams. They know what they're looking for. They're, they're very very you know precise. Here's what we got to do. Here's how we're going to go about it, and and they're committed. They, they don't waver because. And, and I guess it's a lot easier to not waver when you uh, uh, when you've had the success they've had and been around the people they were they've had from from Ed Snyder, you know, who founded the uh, Philadelphia Flyers, Keith Allen, Fred Shiro, obviously Bob Ganey around Sam Pollock and all those great Montreal Canadiens players and Scotty Bowman. I mean, it's pretty impressive when you think about their experiences Absolutely. and how you know through osmosis you you gain a lot because of their because of that. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, a lot of good people you had the chance to work with. And then, I mean, just I, I want to ask, I mean, did I, I think I'm correct, in 99, you guys won a cup in Dallas or Minnesota. I mean, how special was that for you? Well, when I started with the, with the Minnesota North Stars in 1988, they were the, the, the worst team in the league. I mean, <laughs> coming off of, uh, you know, drafting Mike Madano, which was a really, you know, great He's opportunity pretty good. to draft. A, <laughs> no, yeah, he was pretty good. He was phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know that to be able to do that, and and so and then and then we went through some really different challenging times. We went through some challenging times with ownership changes. Obviously, the team in 1993 moved from Minnesota to Dallas, which uh, which you know not only presented uh, some challenges, it also presented some unique opportunities for us because uh, you know it was, it was a new market. We had to think about a lot of different things. And, and we had dedicated ownership. And, you know, so when you get to the end, when you, when you get to 1999 and you realize where you came from and the people that were instrumental in that, I mean, it, 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 it really is special. I mean, Jim Lights, he'd come over from the Detroit Red Wings, was our president. And, you know, you know Jim did so many things and still continues to do things in Dallas for the, for, for the hockey community and growing it. And, and he was really important for us. And, and because they had gone through something similar in Detroit where they'd had a, 
uh, an organization that was once proud and really fell on hard times, and they had to find their way again. And so to have Jim Leitz's, uh, you know, guiding hand around us was really instrumental as well. And so, you know, when, when we ended up winning, you know, you, 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 that's what you're ultimately working towards. Yeah. You, 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 you don't just say, oh, we're going to win tomorrow. You got to go and earn it. And, you know, there, there, there was things that we did really well. And when, when I say we, I'm talking about the entire organization on and off the ice. And, and that becomes instrumental to being Absolutely. able to go in that direction and compete for a cup. And, you know, we lost in 2000 and uh, in six games to uh, uh, the New Jersey Devils. You know, we, uh, we, we, we were a good team in 1998 when we lost in the conference finals. So, you know, we, we found a level of success that was, uh, that was pretty significant and certainly very proud to, to, to have been part of that. Absolutely. That's uh, unbelievable. Um, so then I just moving on now to your, you know, your, your first date as a GM, you move on to Calgary and you, you, you replace Al Coates, take over as general manager. You know, how was that? Walk us through, a, you know, a day in the life of an NHL GM, you know, like, how was it, how was it in Calgary? Well, I mean, it was, I mean, obviously Calgary, I mean, I, I guess the first thing that, that comes to mind is it, 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 it's a Canadian city. So there's. You know, there's one thing to, to be a general manager in National Pressure. Hockey. Yeah. It's, it's, it's another thing to come to a Canadian city and, and one that had had success and, you know, had fallen on some difficult times. I really felt that some of the experiences that I had had working in Minnesota and Dallas were ones that helped me understand, uh, you know, what the, what, what the challenges were in, uh, in, in Calgary. And, you know, you, you come there and it's, uh, I never looked at it as pressure. You, you looked at it as, hey, this is the job. And, you know, when you've been around the quality people that I've mentioned and, and, and you've gone through the steps of, of getting to uh, being successful, I mean, you come in with confidence. But every situation is different. Every, every, every team is different. Uh, you know, where, where, they, where they find themselves at any particular moment in time is different. And so those are things that you have to first understand and then you have to manage through them. But at the same time, you know, it's uh, team building is team building. And, 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 and when I talk about all the things we did in Minnesota and Dallas to build the team on and off the ice, they, they were the things that we needed to do here in Calgary. And, you know, it, it was a scenario where you, you had a team uh, that had won the Cup in 89, had been wildly successful, and then the economics of the league dramatically changed. I mean, they, they drastically changed. They changed for Canadian teams. And, you know, so that created, that created uh, a lot of different uh, disappointments for ownership, a lot of different challenges for the people trying to run it. And, you know, it, it, was, a, it was a time of vast change. And trying to work through those times of vast change, you know, bring – bring not only moments of clarity in terms of like, oh, okay, this is what you got to do. Those challenges sometimes, you know, you, somebody wants to get somewhere yesterday and you can't get there. You, you need to take another three steps to get there, uh, you know, tomorrow. But, you know, there, there's different levels that people have gone through yeah. with respect to owning a franchise and, you know, you know, how much money are they losing, how much money they invested, you know, everything that goes with it. So, you know, you understand that you're coming in to not only try to build a team, you're also trying to 
understand all the unique challenges that, that, that a franchise and an organization may be going through at that particular moment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Craig, I, I got to ask too, I mean, like, so for a guy like myself, I'm 25, you know, and I, I respect you a lot as a, you know, a director of scouting now, and we'll get to that TSN stuff in a bit here, but a guy that wants to be a GM, you know, one day, whether it's junior A, Western League, you know, pro or director of scouting, what does a, what does a guy like myself have to do? Well, I think the first thing you have to do is you got you to like what you do. Oh, right? yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> I, I, like I, ne- I never thought about it as work. Like, you know, I, like, you, you know, I feel really fortunate to have that. I, you know, that, that every day to this day when I go and uh, when I'm going to work, I, like, I, 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 I love it. I, uh, I enjoy it. I don't look at it. I know there's times when the, 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 there's real significant challenges with, with respect to, to time commitments and, you know, everything that goes with it, traveling, and certainly it's no different for you. And, but, but you got to like what you do, right? Yeah. And, 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 and so that's number one. Number two is I, I think you always have to continue learning. I, I, I always say this about it's not static. It's not a static exercise. you got to learn every day, every day, okay, what am I doing well? What can I do better? What did, what, what did I learn from that particular mistake? Because there's going to be mistakes along the line. What you don't want to do is, is be repeating the same mistakes. And, and, and so how, how, how do you do that? Well, you've got you to reflect. You've got to reflect inward. you got to and, – and, and, and then as you're going through it, you know, like you need confidence. Okay, Like there's no question when you're watching, you go, I like that guy, right? But yeah. at the same time, you know, with that confidence, is don't let it blind you. Like, you, you know, like I can, I can tell you this 100, with 100% certainty. There has never been a player drafted in the NHL that the team drafted him didn't have confidence in that player's ability to, to ultimately come in yeah. and, and be a contributor to that team. But not every player is going to do it. So, you know, you have to recognize, okay, this is where – you know, I was right. This is where I was wrong because that's where you're going to apply it as you go along down the line. After that, you know, having people that are open-minded, I really feel that to be a good scout, to be good in management, you have to be around people that are open-minded, open-minded to you that, that can help instruct and guide you in being open-minded in your approaches to things. So, you know, like, like you're looking for good players. You're looking to, to, to build a team that can be successful. I'd love to tell you there's only one way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> there, there, there are multiple ways to do it with respect to helping a team be successful. And it's not just one way. If you do this, you know, you will be successful. It, it, I, I, again, and I would say this to you very, very clearly. If you're not in an environment where, 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 where there's an open-mindedness to, to, to you being able to offer ideas, for, you to, for, for people to challenge your ideas, and conversely for you to be able to challenge their ideas, I would suggest looking for a different environment because yeah. uh, you're going to have a tough time being successful if you don't have uh, uh, th- th- those types of environments. And, and, and I'll be straightforward with you. They exist in the NHL. The, the ones that I'm talking about, ones that don't have those environments, they exist in the NHL, college hockey, junior hockey, and all the way through. So if you're in them, and I know that we come to a point where, you know, you're working and it's employment, you got to 
you know, you're, 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 you're trying to, you know, manage, uh, not manage is the right word, but you're trying to support your family or whatnot. Right. Yeah, but yeah. that doesn't mean you can't still keep looking <laughs> yeah, exactly. to be out of those environments. <laughs> ultimately you just, you, you, you'll, you'll, you'll end up struggling. You'll end up struggling and you won't end up having the success and then you'll get tagged with it in a negative way. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's a you know great way of putting it. Because even like after like my games now, I'm coaching. I keep a you know it is what it is. I keep a diary or whatever you want to call it, and I try and break down what what I did wrong or what I didn't do or maybe that guy wasn't supposed to be on the ice or whatever it is. You know, at least I kind of can go back and throughout the season, you know, maybe he's not good early early in the early in starts or whatever it is, or maybe he can't play, you know, back to back shifts in a row. So I, I try and keep a little diary that way. I don't know if that's a a good way of doing things, but. Yeah, well, I mean that's a that's important to do. It's a, like again, it's important to you know be able like I mean in, 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 when you're in a position as a coach or a manager where you're running things, you know it, like you also are in a position of power, and so with that also comes incredible uh, responsibility. But it's what's what's within that responsibility, and what's within that responsibility is to manage that power. And sometimes managing that power is saying, "Hey guys, I was wrong." I was wrong. Yeah, exactly. And, and when we go back, and I and the people I worked with, you know what? Like, uh, I, like Bob Clark, Bob Ganey, Dean Lombardi, Jack Ferrer, Les Jackson. You know, many, many people weren't afraid to say I was wrong. You're right. I was wrong. And so that, that that's the open mindedness that I'm talking about. And and when you have it, and when you start to, it's great to have the confidence. But but you also have to recognize, yeah, I might be wrong here. And, and I'm not saying that's how you go into it, no, but be if things go yourself. along, you have to acknowledge it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't think you, I mean, you, you might you might draw up a great power play. You might have a thing up and the power play is not working. You might just have to go in and say, "Hey guys, I blew it. This power play stinks." Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, the perfect way of saying it. <laughs> Um, so, you know, Craig, I, I mean, now obviously you're at TSN, uh, director of scouting. How has that been? This is a three-part question here. How's that been? Uh, favorite part about being in that role? So, I mean, and, and how long have you been at TSN? Well, I've been doing that for 10 years now. And, uh, uh, I, I mean, I, I talked about a fantastic team. The, 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 the team that I work with at TSN is fantastic. And, you know, people that are passionate and dedicated and, you know, want to, want to, want to do, want to create really good content in, in whatever it is. And, and so they're passionate and they're good and they're open-minded. And, you know, so again, being in that type of environment just really, really helps me be inspired every day. It helps me, you know, feel, Hey, listen, this is something we can, we, we can do and we can do well and, and we want to make a difference. And so when you're around that, and, and, and the other thing that I've been afforded a great opportunity with is, is that I have, I have a multitude of jobs and I love, I love having a lot of different things to do. It works to my personality. Yeah. And, and, and so they provided that for me. So whether I do NHL broadcasts or NHL analysis or scouting the prospects or doing broadcasts for the world juniors, you know, the different things that I get to do, really really keep me uh you know excited I, I i guess for want of a different word that's what it does it keeps me excited and 
you know, as, as, in anything you do, if you can be excited, I think it's going to help you uh, be successful. And uh, again, I can't, I, I can't emphasize enough the, 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 the team that I'm with there at TSN. I mean, uh, all the way through, in front of the camera, behind the camera, these are outstanding people, and I'm as proud to be part of this team as I have been as part of teams in the NHL. Yeah, that's um, greatly said. I mean, we've had a few of the guys on from TSN, you know, Duffy and, you know, Bob Weeks, uh, you know, Mudrick, all, all great guys. So that's uh, that's yeah. awesome. Oh, yeah, that's awesome sure to hear that. Um, you know, Craig, I mean, day in the life of a TSN director of scouting, I mean, I know you're on the road lots. What's a normal scouting traveling schedule look like to you for, and obviously other years than, than this year? Well, a lot of times, like, I mean, so because I do broadcast for under-17, U18, Halenka Gretzky, World Junior, World Junior A Challenge, you know, I'm at, I'm at all those events. So, like, like I, I, I am able to evaluate long before we get on TV. I, like, I'm at those events evaluating the games, evaluating the players. Also with that, because, you know, I'm, I, I do the draft. I also do the draft for NBC. It also... Uh, requires me to be out on the road watching the prospects. So, yeah. you know, when, when when I'm in Toronto and I'm working in the studio in Toronto, I, I look at the schedule and I say, okay, here's my schedule. And this is the flexibility that I'm given. Is And, and then I can say, okay, i got to do the scouting here in, in these areas and wh- wherever that may be in that region. And when, when I'm home in Calgary, you know, i got to look at, like, at the Western Hockey League and the Alberta Junior and the BCHL. And then you know, again, I have to go in and, and watch the, the USHL in college and, you know, wh- where it's, uh, you know, where it's mandated, go to Europe. Uh, you know, I remember uh, the 2013 NHL draft, there was a lockout. And, uh, you, you know, spending, uh, you know, 10 days at, at one stretch in Finland and Sweden and then 10 days another stretch uh, in, in Finland and uh uh, in uh, in Russia, uh, you know, going and watching the players play because there were so many players coming through there at that time, and 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 it was a lockout, and so you have to you have to get a you can't just go and watch a player once and go you yeah. give an opinion, <laughs> but it's going to be an opinion based on one time uh, in my view, not nearly enough information, and so so if a player plays good, that's wonderful. You can say that if a player plays bad. You, you, you know, you can say that, but that might not be the picture that's accurate. And, uh, I, you know, I go back to Les Jackson, and, you know, one of the things he said is he goes, you know what? He goes, some nights players have off games. He said sometimes good players have a bad game. And sometimes players that, that really have no chance to get to the NHL are going to have really good games. Doesn't mean they're NHL players. And so you've got to be able to distinguish between those, the, 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 those different elements and be able to provide really good, accurate information, really provide accurate assessments and analysis of players using data and using whatever whatever information you're, you're gathering in the course of uh, scouting. But you can't do it in one time. It's got to be overtime. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, speaking of the, you know, the 2018 in Bonneville, and this is a, kind of a story here for you. So I was told once by... Daryl Baumgartner, and I'm sure you know who that is, a buddy of mine, scouts for Washington Capitals. Um, I know Daryl. Oh, yeah, beauty. And he said, when you meet Craig, 
he'll remember you forever. So in 2018, I met you in Bonneville at the World Junior Day Challenge, and I was like shit in my pants. I'm like, I'm meeting Craig Button right now. <laughs> and, and honestly, it was the coolest, you know, 10 minutes of your time. And just even like that, I learned. It was kind of cool, and Daryl said, he'll remember you 15 years from now. So that was, um, like, even that tournament for me, that was my first ever, you know, World Junior Day Challenge, watching guys at Holloway and... Um, uh, new, uh, new hook, you know, it was an event and it was, a, it was a pleasure meeting you that day. So I just thought I'd bring that up to you. Yeah, I mean, that was a pretty good tournament. That was uh, the USA, uh, you know. Uh, they were uh, solid. Oh, yeah. Well, they, they, they are every year, right? And, you know, you, you think back to, uh, you know, the different tournaments and, you know, how teams win. Do you, do, you, do you remember? Do you remember who the goalie was that the USA beat that year in the gold medal game? Were you at the gold medal game? No, I actually uh, I had to get home because my vehicle was having issues. So. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, the, 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 the Russian team that year. I mean, the Russian team that won that 2018 uh, uh, World Junior. Yeah. That, that was at that team that lost to the U.S. I mean, Yaroslav Askarov was the goaltender. Vasily Podkolzin was the captain. And, uh, oh. you know, you, I mean, they're going to be, I mean, a big part of that team is going to be at the World Junior cha- uh, World Junior Hockey Championship this year in Edmonton. And I don't know if you're aware, but they just played a tournament in uh, Finland. Uh, the U-20 Russian team did. They won, they won all three games. Oh, they, wow. they went and played against so older players, then. won all three games. Igor Larionov is the head coach. He's, he was uh, pretty Yaroslav good. Askarov, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Askarov had a... 0.962 save percentage, won all three games as an 18-year-old goaltender. So, uh, you know, what you saw uh, in, at the World Junior A Challenge that year, yeah. you're going to see a whole lot more of it at this coming World Junior Hockey Championship. Unreal. Yeah, that was a, a great event, and I, I look forward to the next one. But, yeah, some good players in that whole event, and I was. Uh, it's hard to watch all yeah. those unreal players out there. So. Um, well, speaking of prospects right now, I mean, the next question is, who are some of the prospects that have just got drafted that you are most excited for uh, the future? The ones that have been drafted? Yeah. Well, I think, like, you know, like, you know, every year, you know, it brings its own unique, different kind of uh, kind of group. I, I, I think this previous year was really fascinating, uh, you know, the, the, the top end of the draft. When I call it top end of the draft, you know, 15, 18 picks, you know, I really felt that there was massive quality, significant quality. And, and how do I define quality? You know, top, top, top line scoring forwards. You know, top pair defensemen, a number one goaltender in Yaroslav Iskarov. And so when, when, when you're picking, yeah, we all know about Alexi Lafreniere. We all know about uh, Quentin Byfield and Tim Stutzla. Yeah. You start going down and you start talking about Marco Rossi and you start Quentin and you start talking about Jack Quinn and Dylan Holloway and Rodian and Miroff and these play these are all really, really good players. I mean, I, I had this conversation with somebody a week ago about Cole Perfetti, you know, going ten to Winnipeg. Yeah. And somebody said, Oh, he should have gone a lot sooner. I said, Well, maybe you should talk to the nine teams that made the decision not to select them. <laughs> and it had nothing to do with him not being a good player. But that's how good the quality was. Yeah. So, you know, and, and, and so I, that, that's what I find fascinating is that, you know, every team doesn't look at it the same way. And, and, it, and it, it would be really easy if you could just look at every, at every player and go, well, that player's better than that player, and that player's better than that player. That's not the way it works. The players are in groups. 
and, and, and the 2021 draft is going to be fascinating because there's so many defensemen that are going to be part of this draft yeah. and, and at the top end. So, you know, from one year to the next, you start in, in one breath with lots of high-end forwards. Now there's going to be a lot of high-end defensemen. And so, you know, that's what becomes interesting. And I'm always interested to watch how the players progress. And, you know, Tim Stutzler, who goes third overall to the Ottawa Senators, I mean, he, he's a phenomenal talent. But, you, you, you know, like I'm excited about watching him at the World Junior. I'm excited about seeing the next steps in his career, you know, where, where, where he goes. Because he was a good player last year in the German League as a 17- and 18-year-old rookie. The NHL is a little bit harder and it's a little bit more demanding. But yeah. I think he's up to the task. And Yaroslav Iskarov, who I think is the best goaltender I've seen entering a draft since Carey Price. I mean, it's great wow. for me to reel off these numbers he just had in this tournament. But, you know, you, you, that's why when I say it's not static, you got to watch and watch and watch and watch. And sometimes you got to adjust. You got to say, okay, he's better than I thought. He's not as good as I thought. He is as good as I thought, you know. And those are the easy ones. The ones where you got to say, he's not as good as I thought or better than I thought, that's where you got to continually evaluate yourself. So it's not just important to evaluate the. Uh, you know, in the scouting process, you got to evaluate yourself. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, I wanted to ask too, Craig, and you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but I mean, obviously, I coach a junior team, and you know, the way the world is right now, you know, for example, you know, Jake Neighbors, Ozzy Weisblatt going down to play in the the AJ. Um, you know, guys are coming down from the Western League to play in the SJ. Uh, what are your what are your thoughts on uh, you know guys going down to play because they can't play in their respective leagues now? Yeah, it's a, it's it's an interesting question. I mean, I mean, I think that for players trying to have an opportunity to go and continue to uh, continue playing, you know, even even at a, at, a, at a level lower than they've been playing at. I mean, that's an opportunity, as you well know. And you talk about you know, let's just talk about Wayburn. I mean. One of the great things about hockey in Canada is is how the the communities, you know, you know, embrace the the, the teams and the players yeah. in those communities. Yeah, exactly. Right, and and, and, and and it becomes a really a, becomes part of the fabric of the community, whether it be billets, whether it be you, you know the support they get from all the uh, the businesses, the local businesses uh, in, in those communities. So you know, in, in the absence of having uh, you know, the opportunity, you know, businesses are being affected with the pandemic. You know, what can they do to invest? You know, do they have to limit it? And, you know, as long I feel everybody has to make their own decision. If you don't want to take players, I get it. If you do want to take players, I get it. What I would say is, is as long as you don't take away opportunities from the local kids that, that, that have grown up and yep. been part of the fabric of the community, right? Now, I mean, you, you don't want a player. No, no you, you're never going to have a player that isn't uh, that isn't good enough playing. But if you have a player that's good enough, and you and, and you think that like, oh boy, he might miss that opportunity. I think that's where you have to really kind of dive in and, and, and make a decision. Is, is this what's best for our community? Because ultimately, uh, you know, when we talk about junior A hockey across the country, the communities are, run it, are yeah. so important. The success of the uh, of the individual teams. Yeah, absolutely. That's like 
perfectly said. So I, just, I wanted to ask that, and I think that was uh, very well answered. Um, Craig, lastly here before we go into our segment, questions from the gallery. You know, we talked a lot about earlier here in the, in the show. You know, what is one piece of advice you could give a young listener today that is listening on how to make it, what it takes to be a scout, you know, or in the office, or just anything in life in general? Well, I mean, again, I, I go back to what we were talking about earlier. Like, you know what? Like, you know, l- love what you do. I mean, there's going to be there's going to be nights where you go to watch a game and you, you might not get as much out of it as you could. You know, don't think that those opportunities are, are not ones that aren't important. And again, when I say be open-minded, I'm, I'm saying be open-minded. Don't be afraid to reach out to. Reach out to people. One thing I've learned over years People want to help. People want to help. So even yeah. if you say, for an example, hey, listen, I did this. I did these scouting reports. Would you mind giving me some feedback on these scouting reports that I've written on these players? What do you think about them? What do you think about my train of thought? Right? Forget about the. Uh, forget about if you're assessing uh, the uh, correctly. It's more about, hey, am I presenting my my, my points correctly? Am I trying to do that? And, and don't be afraid to ask people. And you know, again, I, I, my experiences have been people want to help. Like, so I don't see, I don't see a lack of uh, of resources or lack of uh, opportunity uh, to reach out and get that type of help. And you know, I think that you got to, but, but you got to ask, and, and, and you got to just say, hey, listen, would, would you do this? And I find, for the most part, in the vast majority of cases, people are more than, and and, and then it also gives you an opportunity to to make those connections. And again, those connections now start to help you, you know, really start to, you know, potentially open up avenues and doors for you uh, to continue on and, and, and to continue taking on more responsibility and continue to move on up the levels. Well, that's, uh, again, greatly said. I think, I, I hope, Craig, now that you're saying that, is if I have if some questions for you down the line, I can send you some notes and you can, uh, you know, pick my brain and vice versa. Any way, any way I can help, you, you count on it. Like seriously, I'm not, like I said, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't espouse that type of uh, idea and then say no. Absolutely. <laughs> so just, yeah. just take it to the bank. Take it to the bank. I take love it. Take it to the bank. <laughs> Alrighty, off to our segment now. Questions from the gallery, sponsored by Divots Indoor Golf. We all know golf outdoors is done for the season. Well. What better way to keep your game up to par than heading on down to Divots Indoor Golf? Divots is a great atmosphere, fun, and enjoyable time. Divots is located on Rochdale Boulevard in Regina. Come on down today. Don't make divots. Play at divots. Alrighty, Craig. First question here for you. Favorite place to go and scout? Favorite place to go and scout? Oh, boy. That's a good one. There's lots of... Uh, You've been everywhere. I mean, there's some... <laughs> I, I, I have, and... Honestly, there's so many different bucket places, uh, like uh, bucket list places that you could go to, right? I mean, some of the college uh, arenas are phenomenal. I mean, Michigan Yost Arena has always been a great place. The Minnesota State High School Hockey Tournament is a phenomenal place to go and scout. But, you know, you start to, when you get into a, a building where there's an important game and you know, like the players want to put their best foot forward and, and, the, and, the, and the community is jumping and you walk into that building, you can feel it. You, you, you can just feel it. And, and those are always special. And, and, and those can change from uh, year to year because some, sometimes teams are going to be more competitive at times than others. 
but but I I would say and and, and you know, like if you like the Minnesota State High School hockey tournament, it's set up with eight regions, right? So it's or eight sections. Yeah. And 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 so and and, and the winners of those eight sections get to go to St. Paul to play in the Minnesota State hockey tournament. They have two divisions, but some of the best games I've ever seen and best environments I've ever been in were the regionals, the sectional finals really? where you're, you're, you're in section eight and now you're playing against a rival. I mean, I, I remember going to games, uh, watching players where you had to get there two hours before the game and, and, Forget about, forget about having opportunity for elbow room. You, you didn't have room to change your mind because it was so tight and everything. And, and then the, the student body and people bringing you coffee and making sure that everybody was comfortable. And then the game would start and the kids were jacked. I mean, to me, that is because it's still, it, 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 you got that sense of school pride that everybody's tied in. And, and, and to me, that's, that would be my favorite. Wow, that's uh, that's perfect. I love it. <laughs> um, our next guest on the podcast is my cousin Joey Coaster. Do you remember watching him, and what would be your uh, your scouting report on him uh, in junior and pro? Well, I didn't watch him in junior, but I certainly watched him in pro. And uh, you know, one thing I was saying, like, you know, Joey, you know, again, the Detroit Red Wings. They were a team that was in, uh, I mean, they were developing and they were evolving as an organization, right? And, and Joey was a big part of that. And, you know, when, when, you're, when you're part of a team, everybody has to know what the role is and everybody has to respect and value that role. And I don't think there was any question that Joey knew what his role was. And not only was he respected around the league for that role and, and, and for how fierce he was and tough, but he was valued by his teammates. And, and, and I think one of the, one, one, you know, we talk about, you know, you know, being part of successful teams and they all have different types of players. You know, if you think back to the 1997 Stanley Cup champion Detroit Red Wings, Joey Kocher was a big part of that team. And Scotty Bowman, you know, who coached that team, you know, he knew what Joey brought to the team, but he also asked Joey, hey, you can do more. And, and, and I want you to do more. So he didn't, just, he didn't just say to Joey, this is what you do and just do that. He, he asked him to do a little bit more, and, and Joey did a little bit more. But make no mistake about it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. he, he, was, uh, he was a big-time valued member of the Detroit Red Wings. And, I mean, a, a Stanley Cup champion, and anybody that played with him knows how valuable he was to their success. And anybody that played against him will tell you you didn't want to cross him. <laughs> yeah, that that is very true. <laughs> um, have you ever been to Saskatchewan, Craig? If so, what is your favorite part about it, and what is your what city is your favorite? I've been to Saskatchewan lots, and I've been through all. I, I like I've been I, I've driven all through the province, up and down, and all around. And, you know, it's pretty flat. East to west, north, <laughs> north to south. Again, like you, you you know you think about going, and you you, you think about watching. I mean. You, you, you know, I, you know, we think about the tragedy with the Humboldt Broncos, and and you know, <laughs> having been on those roads, and you know, understanding, you know, yep. that the, the kids get on the bus and and, and they get on as, as a team and they're going to play a game, and how many times that happens in the course of a season and over time, and you know, it just it, it just 
I mean, just leaves a pit in your stomach thinking about what happened with the Humboldt Broncos. But at, at the same time, it's also, when we see the effect and the impact that that tragedy had, not just on Humboldt, but every, everywhere around Humboldt, around this, in, in Saskatchewan, but across Canada, it's because everybody can relate. Communities are taking, their, taking those kids into their homes. Those kids become part of the school system. And, and, and then they go and they play, and everybody comes and roots for them. And so it's so special. So, like, I, like I've, been in the, I've been in all the Junior A rinks. I've been in all this, uh, the Western Hockey League rinks. I've, like, you know, in driving from one place to another, I mean, it's just, it really is. Like, I, I can't say there's one place that's better than another because whenever you go, you, you just feel this sense of, uh, of happiness that, hey, this is a game. This is something that I get to go and watch. And then you get in there and you see how, how the volunteers uh, are part of it and how committed they are and how committed the players are. We know there's going to be a winner and a loser, but the commitment of everybody involved, so impressive. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> all right, this is more of an unfortunate question here. One player in all, all the years that you've watched that you thought – you know, he just wouldn't be as good as you, or I guess the question is, wouldn't be as good as he turned out to be, or vice versa. So, 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 so sorry, what was the question? I missed the question. So one player in all the years that you've been scouting that you thought, you know, just he wasn't going to be that good, he turned out to be really good, and vice versa. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I think there's a number of players. I mean, I, I'll go with my own personal uh, uh, experiences. I, we, 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 we drafted a player by the name of Rick Jackman for fifth overall in Dallas, and he was a terrific defenseman. And, you know, he ended up being part of the Anaheim Ducks Stanley Cup team in 2007. Uh, he, you know, he, he, he was a player that uh, I think, uh, you know, needed uh, to mature a little bit. There's certainly some things uh, during that era, and I'm talking about the CBA and young rookies got – millions of dollars in signing yeah. bonuses. And we, we didn't recognize that well enough at the time to be straightforward with you. And now you have an 18-year-old player that has to deal with not only the expectations of playing in the NHL, but also how to deal financially, uh, you know, with, with the wealth that comes with it. And, you know, we didn't, do an, we didn't do a good enough job as an organization in helping him through that. He, he did help us understand the importance of it. Which, which I think became significant. And, I, you know, I've seen Richard a number of times. He, he, he lives just north of Toronto. And, 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 you know, he played over in Europe. And he, he recognizes, too, and I think it's a credit to him, that he, he could have been much better. He could do it all. He could skate. He could shoot. He could handle the puck. He was a, he was a good competitive player. And, you know, sometimes you, it, it, it's too late. Uh, when you recognize it, but, but he has recognized it. So the other player, and, and I'll tell you what, it's one of those ones that you look back on and you go, he, he did everything you, you, you could ever ask a player. He did everything to make himself better. And that's Jason Botterill, a player we drafted in the first round. The only player in Canadian World Junior Hockey history that has won three gold medals. And you know, we, we, we love Jason. We love the way he played. We love the way he competed. And we thought that his skating could get better. And he worked at it as, as hard as any player has ever worked on their skating. But what we ultimately realized was his skating only had so much room to improve. 
And he maxed out. I, I, I'll tell you what. Jason maxed out on, a, on, on, on the effort to be the best player possible. But it was more disappointing because you knew that this was a talented player that was completely dedicated and passionate about hockey. He just fell short in one significant area, but it wasn't for his lack of, uh, uh, of trying to improve upon it and work at it all the time. And ultimately, you know, his one Stanley Cups with the Pittsburgh Penguins as an assistant manager, was a general manager uh, with the uh, Buffalo Sabres, won a national championship with the Michigan Wolverines. So he's been a very successful and, and that doesn't surprise, it shouldn't surprise anybody. But that's the yeah. one that I said that, because I know how dedicated he is and was to trying to be the best player possible. All righty, this is more of an upbeat one here. The people want to know, how do you keep your hair so intact? Oh, no. <laughs> well, you know what, I'm lucky. I mean, uh, there's a little bit of gel that works with it. <laughs> you know, so there's a little bit of gel. But I got curly hair into this point in time, you know, and, and, at, at my age, you know, I, uh, I've been able to keep a full head of hair. And so I just, uh, you, know, you know, count my blessings. Uh, I'm going to have to think that it's all part of the gene pool that I was part of. So I'm just going to have to pass that off to my to my parents for giving me a good gene pool. <laughs> all righty. If you were the GM today of the Seattle Kraken with the expansion draft, who are you taking with your first three picks? I don't know. Like, it, it, I don't. I don't know who's going to be available. I do know this. True. <laughs> Here's what I would tell you. I, like, I don't know. So it's hard to say what players. But, but, but I will. This is where George McPhee, Kelly McCrimmon, at all in Vegas, and I love what they did. And and and, and I and, and so if I was in uh, Seattle, this I, I would take the same approach, and it would be this: you, you can take players that you know will give you X. But they're not going to give you any. They're not going to give you X plus anything, right? I think where Vegas made their massive hay, and they made big hay on it, they looked at players and said, "Listen, we can go and get players that might have, they might not have shown it yet, but they may have far more ability to have X plus plus." And 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 you know, you look at the players that they selected. I think those are the types of players. I mean, I'm Mark Andre Fleury aside. I'm talking about the William Carlsons. I'm talking about the Nate yeah. Schmitz. I'm talking about those players. They really dove in and said, wait a second here. Like, why are we going to take this player that's limited? We know what he is. We know he's been in the NHL. We know he's got experience. Why don't we take a player that could give us so much more? And, and, that's, and that's what I'd be looking at, just like the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, that's, what, that's, uh, that's well said. Uh, Kate Craig, a couple more here for you. How much are you golfing? Are you a big golfer? I used to be, not so much now. I'm trying to, I'm trying to work my way back into it. My oldest daughter is taking lessons, and so, you know, she might be uh, able to drag me through uh, this next phase of my <laughs> development. I love it. Ultimate golf foursome. Who are you playing with? Like uh, in a golf, in a foursome? Yeah, or just yeah golf foursome. Who are you picking your your three playing partners? My playing partners. Jeez, I've had some pretty good playing partners over the years. Uh, I would want to golf. I'll tell you like who I'd want to golf with. I'd, I'd want to golf with Scotty Bowman because he's ultra competitive and... Uh, you know, I'd love to be able to 
and, and I know Scotty and I talked to him, but, but to be able to spend a day on the course with him, like just to ask him about, there's so many questions I would have for him that the over 18 holes I'd be able to really drill down with him on. So, so, so that, that would definitely be one. Uh, I'd like to, uh, uh, I'm trying to think who else I'd like to golf with. I think I'd like to golf with Mary Lemieux. I'd like to golf with Mary Lemieux. First of all, he's a great golfer. Really? I'd like to pick his. I'd like to pick his brain on you know what it was like. You know, and you know he he's been a wild, wildly successful hockey player, wildly successful owner. And, you know, to go through that type of a, 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 of a day with one of the hockey, one of hockey's great players, it would be phenomenal. And uh, if, I had the, if I had the opportunity uh, to, to, to golf with anybody, and, and my father's been passed away for 24 years, I'd like the chance to golf with my dad because I never golfed with my dad. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great, great golf foursome. I mean, <laughs> legends all three of them so um you know what craig this has been so much fun today i really appreciate you doing this uh, i hope we can do it again and uh stay in contact and you know build a relationship oh it's my pleasure and, and i'm glad that we could uh, arrange the time to do it and as i told you earlier don't hesitate to reach out and i mean that all right craig thanks so much uh take care okay. and we'll, we'll, we'll be in touch take care hi Troy Koser from Off the Hosel. Go and visit our friends over at Rapid Lawn Landscape Solutions to get that green grass that you've always wanted. Be like me and many others that they've helped over the past few years to get that yard that they've always dreamed of. They offer such services as synthetic turf, residential landscaping, landscaping supply, and hydro seeding. Call them at 306-993-7300 to get your free quote or email rapidlawn.ca. Also, don't forget to ask about the Rapid Lawn Finance It program. Again, call 306-993-7300 or email rapidlawn.ca. Alrighty, there it is, episode 45 with Craig Button, TSN Director of Scouting. I had a lot of fun with this one. You know, we talked, you know, very little about golf, but... This was um, a really cool one for me. Like I mentioned in the podcast, we met in Bonneville in 2018 at the World Junior A Challenge. Um, you know, Craig is super intelligent. He's been around the game for, you know, 30, 30 years. So he knows exactly what he's doing. He's been there. He's great at the draft coverage, the World Juniors, the prospects. So uh, really good interview with Craig. I hope everyone enjoyed it. We talk a lot about, you know, just, you know, what it takes to make it in you know, the hockey world, business life, um, and all that, you know, cool stuff that some people don't, don't know. So it was a really good interview with Craig. I appreciate him coming on the show. Um, you know, again, Troy did not, uh, unfortunately, make it in today. Had some uh, arrangements going on. Daniel's working. Christian is here in the background, as always. But uh, Noah Kozak stepped in to talk about some golf in the top of the show, uh, what's going on with him. And obviously, it is Remembrance Day, so take that time. Uh, respect and reflect and just think about just think how good how good you have it you know so respect that and, and take the you know moment of silence for for the veterans and people that have served um, other than that 
Stay tuned for the giveaway. It's going to be a doozy. You know, Manscaped package, uh, off the hosel sweater, two $25 gift cards, a campfire grill. Other than that, I don't have much more. Again, come on down to Divots, located on Rochdale Boulevard in Regina, Saskatchewan. It's the place to be in the wintertime because you can't golf outside. So what better way to keep your clubs clean and stay dry and stay warm? Come on down to Divots Indoor Golf. See ya. Have a great week. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. See ya. Peace.